for landlords by landlords the rent perfect podcast with david pickrock okay we are in our five part series of the wonderful white house blueprint for renters bill of rights denny this has been a little comical the first couple episodes um a little scary in a way. I just the range of emotions coming out here are just uh, just huge. So welcome again. If you didn't see episode one and two, we invite you to go back there. We talk a little bit about Denny and you know what he brings to the table in his opinions on things. Um, quite frankly, this is one big opinion from the White House, but it's an opinion that turns into laws down the road. So we want you to know about it. So principle three today. Education, enforcement, and enhancements of rights. Enhancements. Okay? Enhancements of rights because you don't have enough rights right now, so we're going to enhance your rights. But I'm sure that's not landlords' rights that they're going to enhance. No, it's <laughs> not going to be enhancing anything for landlords. Federal, state, and local government should do all they can to ensure renters know their existing legal rights and to protect renters from unlawful discrimination and exclusion that can take many different forms. Thought we already did that. Do we not have this? <laughs> I thought we do that every I day. Mean, I mean, so so the attorneys come in and write this stuff, and and the White House sends it out. Do do they not understand fair housing? Do they not? Do they? Are they saying their own agency is doing a bad job? It's saying they may want to take them over. Okay. Control it all. Okay. I mean, I thought we've been doing a really good job. Uh, I don't know what the stats are in, with the AG's office right now for discrimination complaints, but, uh, you know, landlords, even the mom and pops nowadays, they know. They know. We have gotten the information out. Yeah. They know. Right? Yeah, it's, you know, 30 years ago, it was, uh, you get some strange things going on, and I've had some strange cases, and, I, and I'd look at them and go, you know, how do they do this? But... Uh, you know, one of the, one of the, it was somebody from close to where I grew up in Alabama, and yeah. it's like, uh, okay, I understand why you don't know, but don't move here and try to right. do that. But the cases, there are not as many of those weird cases anymore. I mean, there aren't. We have educated people enough. We've done fair housing training. I mean, every time I'm talking to some of our clients, some of the bigger apartment communities, they have their fair housing training. They have it online. They have the attorney come. I mean, it is just hard for me to think that. This country does not understand this yet. And, and the people that are, you know, landlords that are involved in single-family homes and renting single-family homes, I find that uh, they used to not be as educated about knowing what to do. Now I find that they're more educated yeah. because there's not as much turnover. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And there are legal, um, you know, kind of nonprofits out there that are, that are easy to call. You know, and that can help them, the advocates out there. So here's what sticks out to me in this, okay? So they did add something new I want to talk about. The Fair Housing Act bans discrimination based on race, color, religion, sex, including sexual orientation and gender, it says, in quotes, disability, familial status, national origin. Uh, those are the Same. basics, right? But they want to include practices... Okay, so you include practices that have an unjustified, desperate impact on a protected class. Well, that's what those things you just mentioned are. Yes. 
That's what protects against because you do the practice that has an unjustified desperate impact, which desperate impact is a whole thing in itself. It's like they're saying those those things about discrimination have nothing to do with desperate impact. Like there's something else coming down the road? Okay. Not sure. The Fair Housing Act and state and local laws should be expanded. Now listen, I always love when the, when the expanded. government says expanded. expanded. Oh, here we go, right? To expressly prohibit discrimination based on source of income. You notice they didn't give a definition of source of income. What does that mean? I have no idea. <laughs> you have an idea of what you think they think it means, right? Um, you know, we've, yeah, we think we know what it means, but in, in the reality is, I'm not real sure what source of income means only by the definitions that they've given me in other legal laws that I've seen. Yeah, for most, right? of, for most of my career, source of income meant where your money's coming from. I mean, you can't discriminate right. against them for where their money's coming from. For instance, they get paid child support. Right. You can't discriminate them because they're getting child support, and they're not getting all their money from their job, and that's understandable. But I think now they're going a different direction in terms of what this source of income is and how landlords are going to have to deal with it. You know what I'm talking about. Absolutely know what you're talking about. So what they really want now is since they've already told us there's a lack of housing, there's a lack of low-income housing. Yes. And they want to turn more of our housing into low-income housing. But in order to, to turn into low-income housing, we have to accept what they call a housing voucher. And we have to then partner with the government where the government is going to pay the rent. We know at Section 8, housing voucher. Okay? So if they can get source of income in on the protected class, and many jurisdictions already have done it around the country, this isn't brand new, then what they're saying is you have to accept a Section 8 housing voucher. Okay? You have to partner with the government or you're discriminating. Right. But what, what happens if... Uh Wait, I rent my property for more than the government will, will pay for Section 8 housing. So how does that work? Well, right now, then, they don't qualify through your criteria. But the camel's nose underneath the tent, you wait. The next thing is going to be you need to lower your rent and take Section 8 housing, in my opinion, where they're going. Well, they okay. want it at 30%. They do. Yeah. And they've told you that. Episode 1, we talked about they want people spending... 30% of their income on housing. Um, no more than, anyway. No more than. So, it seems to be crazy, but go back and read that. So, here's my problem. Because, honestly, guaranteeing me rent um, actually is, it, I like that. You want to guarantee me that I'm going to get my rent every month as a landlord? I'm in. And how much does that rent cost you? For whoever they want to put into your unit. Yeah. I, you know, but it sounds good in the beginning, you know, and, and I'm not downing Section 8 housing vouchers. I have clients who are in that business. They say they make a lot of money, but they have the right property for it. Like they're set up in the right way for it. Here is my issue. My issue isn't if I've got a two bedroom and Section 8's willing to pay $1,200 and my rental market rate is $1,200. I'm cool with, with doing business with the government if that's all, if it stopped there. But it doesn't stop there, right? They then will say, okay, now you're on a government program. Now we get to tell you 
how to manage a property because you're now coming through a government. I just established this nationwide uh, federal law that now governs me when I do business with the federal government. I just introduced this federal laws hanging over my head that they can tell me lower your rent. They can tell me, you know, uh, whether I can evict somebody or not evict someone. So I don't want to partner with the federal government on my properties because I don't know what's coming down the road. This is coming down the road. Well, for years and years, you know, I would counsel with landlords and I'd tell them, look, you either opt in or opt out of Section 8 housing. If you're, if you're in, then you have to follow the rules. If you're out, you can just follow the, the typical rules for any other housing. Here, like you say, once they get in, they control. And, you know, there are great Section 8 uh, tenants, and there are some that are not great Section 8 tenants. But it seems like the landlord should get to control that yeah. choice. And I can deal with the good tenants and I can deal with the bad tenants. Like, that's okay. That's part of being a landlord. I can't deal with the federal government. I have no say. They take complete and total control, you know, over the property. They tell you what leases you can use, what notices you can use. And I think at first they'll say, oh, we're a great program. No, we make sure you get rent and they sell it and they sell it. But this right here is telling me stay away from the government right now. Yeah, you have a whole different set of... uh rules and regulations and notices for when mm-hmm. something happens on your property regarding a, a, a government subsidized tenant that uh, you don't get, you don't get to right. choose. Right. If I were to consult the government and say, how can we expand Section 8 housing? I would say pay market rate and stay the heck out of the process. Yeah. And you will get more landlords that take. But that's the other side of this budget. coin. They're, they're trying, they're doing a disservice to their own they are. tenants because they don't want to pay market rates. They don't, but they're also going to listen to podcasts like this that say, run, run from source of yes. income, run. It's not what we want because they're going to come in with a heavy hand. They're not doing themselves any favors by putting this out right here, expanding low income, income housing. Uh, another at, thing least they, at least it's not the right way to do it. It's not the right way to do it. You know, I mean, pay a little bit more money, get rid of all this bureaucracy and all the money you're paying all these huge organizations and spend a little bit more money on rent and you probably would get more people housed. Um, housing providers are required by law to inform applicants for rental housing when they were denied or charged more. Okay, that's a statement that's already there. Why is that important? Well, it does send the message that um, if you try to avoid what we're doing, we're going to make it hard for you. That's what they're really trying to say. Okay. So they're referring to earlier in the year, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau came out and said, landlords, if, when you do your adverse action letters, you have to be specific. Not just that I did it. You know, not just like that their credit score was low, but what in their score caused you, you know, to say no? Was it they missed their car payment for two months in a row? Was it they want you to get super specific about why you're denying somebody? So if you're, um, you know, I've always thought if I have, say, a sex offender apply with me, right? I want to probably be as general as possible and let that applicant go down the road. I do not want to sit down with them. I do not want to get into details about it. I, I want nothing to do with that. But this is pretty much saying, 
you better lay out the details. And so. uh, you don't think there's going to be some problems from yeah. laying out the details. Hey, you've already been a felon. You've already been in jail for weapons crimes. Let me let me really piss you off and, and go over your case with you. You yeah. know, I mean, it's just, uh, it's an interesting process. Their whole thinking is if we tell them the specifics, then they'll go get it cleaned up. That's what their intentions are here. I don't think it works that way. Okay. To this day, millions of renters experience discrimination in the housing market annually, although a large share never report it. How do they know? I know. <laughs> how, do they, how do they know that? No one ever tells us this, but there's a lot of this stuff going on. I mean, give yeah, me if, a break. If that stuff's going on, aren't they, isn't the they government following it. suit against them? Aren't yeah. they in the AG's office? Is that where the stats come from? Yeah. How can you, how can you make that statement? To this day, millions of renters experience discrimination in the housing market, although a large share never report it. Uh, it's just a statement. It's just pull it out of thin air. We don't know that. This is what frustrates me. Is there some air. kind of a, a test that people take or some kind of a place where you go online and say, hey, I uh, didn't want to report this, but I'm reporting it. Else, How else did it get reported? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. To say I felt discriminated against and to prove discrimination, I guess, is two different things. I guess people can feel discriminated against because we can't control how they yeah. feel. But you, then but you to, don't report it? But to prove it is, is another thing. Okay. And, and don't report it to who? It's bothersome. Okay, so you asked me what source of income was a little while ago. Now I'm going to tell you what they're going to say source of income is, okay? Source of income discrimination is it the practice of not renting to a household or withholding property services, facilities, or privileges based on the source of income of the individual, which can include a housing choice voucher. So they specifically mentioned that they didn't go child support. Mm-hmm. They're like housing choice voucher. That's what's on their mind. Other forms of housing subsidy or non-wage income sources such as alimony or child support. See, for years, we always said, we don't care where you get your money from. If you can show us that you're getting money from whatever source, I don't care, and and you can meet the criteria for the ratio for income, um, hey, we're good. This is saying, we don't care about that anymore. What we care about is, you have to take this money where it's coming from the government. Right. That it's not really source of income, it's choice of income. And that's a great point. That's a really good point. Um, other forms of housing subsidy. What, what, what would be that? Could be any number of things where you, you get money from other organizations that help you with your housing. And is that usually a one-time subsidy though, or is that a continual monthly subsidy? I mean, Source of income, as we, we as landlords want to know every month what's coming in. If on the first month you're going to have a subsidy that helps you pay your move-in fees, I want to know in month two and month three that you still have income coming in. So how would I well, take that into consideration if it's a one-time temporary well, if subsidy? It's, if it's a government, we don't care about how you think about it as a landlord. It's only about <laughs> how we think about it to help... The, you know, to help the tenant. Right. And, you know, everybody wants to see tenants get help. 
you know, who wouldn't want a family, you know, an individual to have a good place to live? Right. But at what point does a landlord get to say, I'm not dealing with this? Well, apparently, if this goes through, a landlord does not get to say that. Okay, and what if a church comes out and says, um, we're going to give them $400 a month towards our housing, housing subsidy. Um, we don't know when, how long we're going to give that. We don't know in month two if we're going to pull that back. And you have, but you're not renting to the church, right? Their church yeah. isn't on the line renting with them. They just claim they're going to give them a temporary subsidy. That's going to be difficult for landlords to kind of figure out if this person can really afford well, you know, when all the stakeholders get around the table, they're going to have to come up with these details, and it's going to have to be very specific, or else, you know, both sides could argue either way. So they're going to have to deal with this in a, in a much more decisive way. Okay. These are just things I'm pointing out that I'm not really sure how we're going to deal with yet, so I guess we'll wait for further knowledge from the Almighty above that, that tells us. Okay, and then this gets a little bit into tenant background checks. Why is that important for you? Because now, you know, we're getting into to taking away your ability to have a, a background check and then really take that background check information and put it against your criteria. So the, F, the CFPB, okay, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, has said it will identify guidance or rules that it can issue to ensure that the background screening industry, us adheres to the law, and coordinate law enforcement efforts with the FTC to hold tenant background check companies accountable for having reasonable procedures and ensure accurate information in the credit reporting system. And those procedures are already online. They already have to be followed. Okay. What do you think about this? And coordinate law enforcement efforts. Yeah, so with what I hear them saying is that if now, not only do you have to do that, and you always have had to, to right. do that, right? now if you don't do it, we're going to have law enforcement involved. So is it a criminal? That's what it's sounding like. Act now? That's where they're going. Or else why would they say that? Why would you say law enforcement is going to be involved? A law enforcement effort. We are now going to... Yeah, if, you're, if your reports, your credit reports aren't right... right. right. We're going to hold you criminally responsible. Why, why else would you say that? That is crazy. Uh-huh. Is there any other industry where they say, we are sending law enforcement what, your way? What better way to have everybody jump out and control the whole thing? Oh, my goodness. There's a, there's a little warning right there for us. Yeah. Law enforcement. This is, this is kind of the flavor of the whole thing is we're taking over. And you better not say anything or we're coming after you. Not the America we want to have here. We're not, tr- right. we're not trying to scare people. We're just talking about this because this isn't real yet, but it's <laughs> ugly. <laughs> it just shows you who's making these rules. I mean, you're in a committee and, and someone's got to raise their hand and go, um, what do you mean by law enforcement efforts here? You know, I mean, they just, you know, pass a law, what, 78,000 new IRS agents, I think. Did, the, did we get that killed yet or not? Do you know in the... I'm not sure I mean, if it's dead yet. But, but it's just, just enforcement, enforcement work. The government is coming after you kind Congre- of. Congress isn't going to pay for it. But. Okay. But, you know, that, that goes to the saying of, uh, you know, there are lots of well-intentioned, good people that want to see that other good people are taken care of with somebody else's money. 
Oh, my goodness. Okay. HUD will also release guidance addressing the use of tenant screening. Okay. HUD will also release guidance. I'm so glad that they are going to let us know because we don't know. Addressing the use of tenant screening algorithms in ways that may violate fair housing, the Fair Housing Act. I'm so glad HUD is going to address the use of algorithms. Yeah, HUD's going to jump in now to being a credit reporting agency. Okay, so you're saying what is an algorithm? This is a FICO score. This is a credit score that makes it easy for landlords to get an idea whether someone you know, is trustworthy and responsible and pays their bills. So they want to now come in and tell us probably that we can't use those anymore and uh, that they're discriminatory um, of some sort. Well, they are discriminatory in terms of financial condition of a person. But that's not a protected class. It's not a protected class. Maybe that's what they're trying to make a protected class is that financial issues have to be a protected class. And then source of income would support that and, and go from there. Okay, interesting. How See, do we, well, no. you know, you know, in a lot of jurisdictions, how they're going after criminal backgrounds, and you can't use criminal backgrounds mm-hmm. in your assessment for some for someone to rent a unit. Well, if you can go there and say that that's a last bastion of hope. If you say you can't use their credit standing for renting, you're done. Yeah, you're just going to blindly be handing your keys over to uh, to somebody. Therefore, more people are going to get out of the business. Therefore, there's going to be less units available. Rents are going to go up. It's just everything is... Anyway, sorry. Sorry, guys. I don't mean to be uh, complaining too much this afternoon. HUD will explore opportunities to address source of income discrimination through guidance. So we're letting you know it's coming. So wait for our guidance because, once again, we're great landlords and we know exactly what we're doing. HUD's going to lay the law down. Okay. All right. One more in this section. Fannie Mae launched an expanded housing choice pilot program to offer a pricing incentive to property owners who agree not to discriminate against the voucher holders. So now <laughs> so now you're discriminating if you don't want to take Section 8. It's very clear. That's <laughs> what they're doing. So we're going we're gonna to give you some incentive to take Section 8 because we're requiring Section 8 so we yeah. won't use law enforcement. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to give us an incentive for us not to discriminate. Listen, you don't need to give us an incentive. Not, if we are discriminating, you're coming after us. Yeah. You don't have to like, hey, don't discriminate, and I'll give you a little bit of money. I mean, this is the dumbest sentence in this whole thing. Such efforts present a critical opportunity to increase the share of owners who participate in the housing choice no kidding. voucher. Program. No kidding. It's going to get them all. Guys. Get them all in. This is the summary, in my opinion, of this whole White House blueprint. They want more government housing. They want private housing to turn into government housing. And they're going to make it happen. Why isn't it not naturally happening? Because the way they run this program is not beneficial to the landlord. It's beneficial to the tenant. It's beneficial to the government. They're trying to get you involved in a program that they, that if it was so good, Denny, if it was so good of a program, we wouldn't even be talking about it. We'd be like, guys, go rent to the housing choice voucher program. You're going to make a ton of money. You're going to be the best investor you've ever been. Well, well, you talk about control. 
just think if the government control can control not only 44 million residents but 44 million landlords <laughs> yeah that's a third of the country yeah almost yeah you know it's a lot of the country yeah and more of the adult population even well right? I, I guess in the working country there's only like 190 million yeah you know and there's yeah you know, there's 90 million right there. Well, they're already going to control the homeowners through Freddie Mae and Freddie Mac. They've already made that clear that since we give you a government subsidy, we're controlling the homeowners. Now they got to find a way to come in and control yeah. the landlords um, and the tenants. So that is principle three. Um, once again, if you missed the first couple, guys, nothing is law yet. We are just, yeah. we're, we're just going through what is coming up. So you can make good financial and investing situations you might be asking yourself is it time to get out i'm not saying it is i'm not saying it's not but with this information you get to make it's going to take time it's going to take a couple years to make this all happen i'm hoping we get a government that comes in and kicks back a little bit on this but i think they will only time will will tell um what comes and what happens well we're through three we've got two more to go and we hope you'll look forward to the future and you'll watch number four and five coming here soon And until next time, continue to rent. Perfect.